Hey there, podcast listeners. Since the time of recording this episode, we've changed our name to be Truest Leadership Institute. You can learn more about this podcast and about the Truest Leadership Institute by visiting us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. And now, back to the episode. Welcome to Leadership Amplitude, a podcast production of the BBT Leadership Institute. I'm your host, Anna Sladen, and I'm thrilled to be kicking off a new four-part series focusing on change management with Dr. Steve Swavely and Ramonda Kaiser from the BB&T Leadership Institute. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Steve, tell me a little bit about what you do at the BB&T Leadership Institute. Sure. So I'm the director of the consulting team here at the Leadership Institute and also serve as one of the consultants. So I wear kind of a, a leadership hat as well as a delivery hat in terms of working directly with clients. And your background is in neuropsychology, correct? That's correct. I like to say that I am one of the only neuropsychologists that is working in the area of leadership development. Um, that's not so true anymore. It was when I started 10 years ago, but we're seeing more and more uh, interest in the neurosciences in the area of leadership development, and particularly in the area of change. And so it's not as rare as it used to be. Well, we're so glad to have you on our staff. And I've got another friendly face here, one that's been on the podcast a few times. Always glad to have you back, Ramonda. Remind us, what will you do at the Leadership Institute? Nice to be back, Anna. Um, yes, so I am a senior facilitator consultant here at the Institute doing the delivery um, of our materials from change, leadership development, executive coaching, team buildings, etc. Yeah, Ramonda has been with us ten over ten years now. One of wow. actually one of the first people I hired on my team. So, That's so one, of, one of our one of our most experienced and um, capable facilitators. Thank so you. we're really glad to have her. Thank you. Well, I'm so thrilled to have both of you on this uh, series with us here on Leadership Amplitude. And I was excited when you told me that you wanted to come and talk about change management because it seems like every day there is some kind of change, either in people's personal lives or in the organizations. Uh, it seems like you're never really far from either getting over a change or launching into a new change. Can you tell me a little bit more about just on a personal level, are there different ways that people approach change or do we all kind of come into it the same way? Well, change is now the new normal because everybody's going through change in some form or fashion, like you mentioned, Anna. And we here at the Institute believe that there are different ways that people approach change. We use an assessment called the change style indicator that helps people understand their beliefs about change. And there are three types of change patterns, so to speak, originator, pragmatist, and conserver. Steve, you want to add anything to how yeah, people approach change? Yeah, yeah, I think those represent three large buckets that you can um, think about as people approach change. Um, and it's it's not necessarily a way to stereotype people, but just a way to give people some awareness about what is my approach to change and what are the potential opportunities that exist as a result of that approach and what are my strengths there as uh, I look at having that approach. And one approach isn't better than the other. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a right way or a wrong way. It's just recognizing that there's different approaches and knowing that my approach might even be different than Ramonda's approach, for example, which I'm pretty sure it they is. They are. <laughs> and so we're, we're in, a, in many ways, we're kind of a real life example of how different approaches to change can 
be important in how we move a team through change or we move through the uh, organization through change or, or, or the organization through change or just a change in how we do things on a day-to-day basis. So you guys, you said you've been working together more than 10 years, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So you both just laughed when you thought about <laughs> the, ch- the way that you both approach change. So I have to ask, uh-huh. how do you each approach change? I want to talk about Steve's approach to change. Oh, please do. That's <laughs> yes. better. And yes. Yes. So Steve is what we Well, then I get to talk about Ramona's yes, approach that's to change. That's right? only yeah. fair. Yeah. Yep. Steve's approach to change is incremental. He's what I would call the conserver. Right, Steve? Yeah. I actually, I'm, I fall in the pragmatist bucket, but Close I, to the conserver. I lean on the conserver side. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to talk about just because we fall in a bucket doesn't mean that we are bound by that we can have we can have think about it as existing on a continuum the one end of the continuum is the the conserver which is someone who's very slow to change Mm -hmm. very intentional at the other end of the continuum is the originator which is expansive change expansive change and in the middle you got the pragmatist that's more about what change is practical and so Ramonda experiences me more on the conserver side. But very practical. But very practical. So it has to make logical, rational sense for Steve, and it can't be overwhelming. He likes change in incremental, sizable chunks so that he can get them done, he can evaluate it, and then he can move on to the next. But if you give him too much change at one time, like, you know, Dump into like the change washing machine. <laughs> he is overwhelmed and he doesn't like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I will begin to spin my wheels if there's really? too much happening at once. And I'm also asking the question, does this change make sense from a practical perspective? Is it okay. necessary? Is it necessary? Um, or are we just changing to be changing? Right. Okay. And, and Ramonda is someone that is very much an originator. She likes change. She will, I think sometimes change is um, something she'll do just for change's sake. Like I changed my hair up. <laughs> <laughs> Which looks very nice today, Thank by the way. And so, um, it's, it's, and it's a great member to have on your team, someone that is looking at making changes, making improvements. How do we do it different? And how do we do it in a way that continues to improve our product? And then I've got to ask the question, well, is it a practical? Is it a practical change? Is it going to be, is it a practical addition to our product line? Is it a practical change? And what, what are the data and facts saying? So when I come to Steve with a recommended change and it's kind of out of the box, creative, you know, large scale, I need to be able to communicate with him the facts and the data and then what potential outcomes I can see as a result of this change. But just coming out of the blue with something because I thought of it that morning Mm -hmm. as let's go do it doesn't work for him because he can't buy into it. I got to be able to take him on that path and understanding our change style beliefs helps people communicate their way of wanting to execute on change to the person who may not be like them. You guys have kind of figured out where each of you lie, but also how to leverage that person's appetite as a strength, um, whether it's you have an appetite for a lot of change or you need a more 
incremental change and you need it to be really practically expressed. It sounds like you guys have figured that out and how to communicate with each other, how to use each other to, to move forward. Absolutely. And, and that's the strength of a team. Uh, the more diverse a team is with regard to the change styles that exist on the team, the, the more uh, powerful that team can be, the and higher the performance. Range. Yeah. More. Um, it, and it also takes stronger leadership, more, um, maybe the word not stronger, but um, more leadership capacity to lead a team with different ideas. Right. So if you've got folks on your team that are conservers that are very slow to change, how do you pull them along? How do you make sure that they come along with you? And if you've got folks on the team like Ramonda who are, are originators and are charging down the path towards change, how do you make sure that their needs are being met, but that They're the not organiz- leaving the organization behind. Not leaving the organization gotcha. behind or, or heading off in a direction that doesn't align with what the org- where the organization wants to head. Right. So here's the pop quiz. Where do you think I land in my, my change preference? I think, Anna, you are probably middle towards originating. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think about all the things that you've done here in our in our marketing realm that have taken us light years ahead of where we were two, three years ago. Well, you guys are very, very close to being right. There's actually not a wrong answer here because I am dead center on the scope. You're a pragmatist. I huh? am yeah. a pragmatist. <laughs> but I think just, um, you know, with the tasks that I have been assigned and my duties, it does cause me to lean a little bit more towards the originator. With calculated risks. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But I do find that it's very easy to communicate with people on either side yeah. of the scope. Well, that's a great point. And that is, you know, it, it's a great example of even though you're right smack dab in the middle, you're capable of moving to one end or the other based upon the needs. And that's one of the things we try to help people understand when we're helping them with a change process is that just because you are identified as a pragmatist or an originator or a conserver doesn't mean you can't do the other behaviors, yeah. that you can't do the other skills. Yeah. It just means it's not going to be your preference. I was actually just talking with my um, team, my supervisor, Mark Packard, about this whole issue. And we were talking about just my own awareness that because of my role and my responsibilities with developing marketing, that I can be very much an originator and really driving change. And I said to him, I just worry sometimes that for some people, I might not be so much driving as I am dragging and I have to be conscious that I'm not pushing them faster than they're ready to go. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned something earlier that as a pragmatist, you're able to communicate with people like both ends of the continuum really well. And so you can take your ideas about forward thinking marketing concepts, for example, and bring along the conservers that might be slow to adopt to those new ideas and those new strategies. Because you can speak both languages. Absolutely. I found that exercise to be really helpful and in that to be able to understand the people around me. So I imagine it's a really impactful thing as we work with teams to help them understand not only themselves, but where their teammates land. It's a wonderful exercise to do with teams because at first they're guessing where their teammates are going to fall after you explain what the three types are. And then they get a little surprised when people don't fall where they're 
estimated guess right. suggests they should be. But the, and then they start poking fun at each other about the conservers don't want to change and they make it hard on the originators and the mm. pragmatists don't have, um, any firm ideas because they're in the middle and we have to drag them over to either side. Just lots of comical, humorous things that teams learn about each other and the fun that they have with each other doing this exercise. But what's most important is having each one of them understand their beliefs about change. Okay. Well, tell me more about that and how that impacts it. So our belief um, leadership model, beliefs, behaviors, results is really um, a compliment to the change style indicator. And it helps people understand what their change beliefs are, uh, whether you're an originator, a pragmatist, or a conserver. And then if I'm working on a team, uh, let's take the consultant team, for example. I'm a little bit towards the originator, but pragmatist. I have a set of beliefs around change, that if we don't change, we'll die, we'll be obsolete, Mm -hmm. you know, we won't progress. I have to be able to communicate why I think change is so important to someone who may not share those same beliefs. Yeah, and I think helping an organization move through change is all about managing the so-called resistance Mm -hmm. to change. And we like to say people don't resist change. They resist the beliefs that they have about the change. Or the loss that's going to come from change. Okay. Because eventually, when we look at change, we're losing something. Whether it's I'm losing the job I'm currently doing, um, I'm losing the place that I sit on the floor at the office because we're moving. Or even if we're moving in a direction where we're bringing in new technology, we're losing our confidence that we can do what's going to be asked of us. Yeah. So people don't fear change. They fear what they're about to lose in change. Okay. And so all that takes place as a belief. And so understanding that as leaders helps us be more effective at moving people through change by understanding what are their beliefs and how do we help them create beliefs that are more in alignment with where the organization needs them to go. So it sounds like beliefs may also show up in communication barriers as well, though, because I imagine if I am not communicating in a way that is easy for my teammate to digest and they're maybe resistant because they're afraid of what they're going to lose or this is just not how they digest change, that I might then interpret that as, you know, maybe they, they don't think I'm a good leader or maybe they just don't appreciate my hard work. Like I could see how not being able to communicate in that way or being knowing how to communicate change, that can really trigger a whole set of beliefs that have been even outside of the actual change issue itself. Absolutely. And, and I think part of that communication issue comes from the idea that we all have a filter that we look through when we look at change and we tend to think everybody has the same filter that we have. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the values of doing the change style indicator is helping people understand not everybody sees change in the same way. We have different sets of beliefs around it. Which is why self-awareness and interpersonal awareness as a leader, whether I'm the leader of a team or I'm a contributor on that team is critical to the success of change. And to your point, Anna, when we have uh, uh, differences in how we approach change, 
we have to communicate it in different ways. And so Ramonda, for example, has learned that if she wants to promote some kind of change in our team or in our products, she needs to bring me the practical value of why that change is a useful change. Mm -hmm. And she's learned how to communicate that to me. And if she were communicating to a conserver as opposed to a pragmatist, she'd probably come with much more detail and a very step-by-step approach to how to implement that change. You know, what I thought was interesting is that when you guys were describing each other, there was, Ramonda, you jumped in and you're like, I'll describe Steve. And you both like started laughing. And the thing is, I, I just reflected on, I think for other people, that would have been like a, oh no, I'm going to have to edit this out. Like it's going to get aggressive. Like we're going to be slinging mud. But for you guys, it wasn't that way at all. You actually both seemed to relax and there was almost like this trust there. And so it's interesting that people who are are very different when they learn how to accept the change preference of someone else, that it makes it almost like a safe place for them. Well, yeah. it takes practice and it takes us knowing each other. Once you have a good awareness of who you are and the awareness of the other person you're about to engage with, it doesn't have to be this topic of discussion that we're fearful to approach. Yeah, I, I take it a step further on, uh, you said, to accept the differences. And I would say to to welcome them. And compliment oh, them. Yeah. And, you know, as, as, a, as a leader of a team, I want that diversity. I want people that are going to be charging ahead and looking at opportunities that maybe I won't mm. because of my focus on pragmatism. And I also want people that are going to say, whoa, 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 let's slow the bus down. Let's look at this to make sure that this is really what's the something. What's impact this is going to yeah, have? Yeah, what's the impact this is going to have on the team, the organization? And so if I've got that diversity, I've got all the voices that I need mm-hmm. in order to have an effective, uh, an effective team that can move through change. Having a balanced team is important as well of having some people who are maybe on the originator side and having some that are on the conserver side and some that are pragmatists, that that's important so that you have kind of the best of all the worlds. It is. It's also important that even if you don't have one of the other groups, that the team knows how to self-evaluate and say, are we looking at this from all possible sides? What data might we be missing? To compensate for the missing piece. To compensate for that missing um, change preference that might not be on the team. Okay. And it goes back to what the change style indicator measures is preferences, not capabilities. And Mm so although I have a preference myself personally for a pragmatic approach to change, if I need to, I can move to that conserver side. Or if I need to, I can move to that originator side. Doesn't mean I can't do it or that I'm not good at it. It just means it's not my preference. And so teams that aren't diverse can identify ways to compensate for it. I imagine for a team that is maybe all one way except one teammate is maybe the opposite, that that can, without knowing that and having a, a safe conversations about it, making it a welcome thing to your point, Steve, that that person ends up feeling burnt out. Or or that they don't fit in. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they feel like they're a, they're a bit of a misfit when in reality they may be one of the most important members of the team because they have that point of view that the rest of the team is missing. So it sounds like it's really important for any leader to understand what is the makeup of my team? Yep. What are the strengths for each individual and how do I almost kind of like pull the levers? How mm-hmm. do I solicit feedback? So that I am getting the best of all of my team. As More importantly, how do I create an environment? Okay, that is going to allow for all of that. Yeah, where you leverage each of their each of their capabilities, each of their skill sets. Okay, and that, you know, I think that goes beyond just change, but just in terms of leadership in general, we always want to be aware of where our teammates fall with the different capacities and competencies. Mm-hmm. We hope you're enjoying our podcast episodes and would love to hear from you. So take a moment and leave us a review. Episodes are available anywhere you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. For show notes or for additional information, find us at www.bbtleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of the BB&T Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.